welcome to another episode of the Let's Sip podcast, the podcast we pontificate on all things craft beer. I am your host, Brandon E. Gaylor, and I am currently sipping on a beer from Firestone Walker. That's right, I'm just going to jump right into it and start talking about some beer. I hadn't had Firestone Walker for a while, especially, well, it's been since I moved to Austin for sure. Of course, they have, the, they have their Union Jack IPA. Well, they had. I don't even really know what their current beer lineup looks like. thought um, uh, Union Jack was always a pretty solid IPA. Uh, their Velvet Merlin, their, uh, the Nitro Stout, was always a good one to look out for. And I know that uh, in my most recent experience with them, uh, they were very much pushing their 805 brand, the, that blonde ale, uh, which is fine. I don't usually go for blondes, blonde ales myself, so I wasn't super excited about them putting so much uh, oomph and marketing behind that. But uh, that's their journey, of course. I know 805 is still out there and kicking, so that's still a big thing. But I grabbed a... Uh, stovepipe can of their Mind Haze IPA, which is their go at a hazy, juicy style IPA. Uh, the name might be slightly regrettable in this day and age just because uh, kind of still dealing with the whole COVID thing and um, the Delta variant is currently the latest mutation of the virus that's kicking up and causing a lot of issues. We've got vaccines, but there's hesitancy to get the vaccine, so that's causing issues, and the Delta variant is uh, uh, kicking kicking and uh, screaming its way through the population. So COVID is still a deal, and uh, when you're thinking about people who have had COVID, one of the after effects is that brain fog. So... Uh, that kind of makes me think of that when I read Mind Haze. But this is the hazy IPA attempt from uh, Firestone Walker. And the first thing I noticed as soon as I popped this can open, uh, this can was uh, packaged or it was canned in May. So uh, we're looking at just slightly over a couple of months old. Uh, but it was in the fridge at the grocery store, so I knew that it was probably been cold for most of those two months. And uh, you're still relatively, relatively within the 90-day window. You, su- you should be uh, good and fresh for your hops, and uh, you should have no problems with this beer. But the thing I noticed as soon as I cracked open that can, and I uh, cracked it open, got a whiff of the hops, and like, uh oh, there's got to be Cascade in here, and boy was I right. They got quite quite the hop profile, but uh, the Cascade again, I feel like overpowers everything else in here. Uh, their website states that um, for the hops in the kettle, that means the bittering hops um, that actually add to the bitterness. And more of the uh, flavor profile um, in the actual uh, wort when the beer is being brewed, as opposed to dry hopping, which is going to give you most of all that aroma. And uh, but like I said, 
Uh, I did not pour this into a glass. I am drinking it out of the can. But still, even on the nose, I feel like that Cascade is still taking over. Uh, but the Kettle Hops, we've got Cascade. Um, and we have Mandarina. And so Cascade was not even dry hopped in here, but it's still very much present on the nose. Uh, but for dry hops, they have Azaka, Eldorado, Mosaic, Chinook, Cashmere, Callista, and Idaho 7. So it's quite the bill on the dry hops on this guy. But... Yeah, that's, I still feel like that Cascade, man. Ugh, I, I do not understand it. And especially for like a juicy IPA. Don't get me wrong, I do sometimes feel like juicy IPAs. A lot of them tread very similar ground now. They're starting to taste very similar. A lot of them are, aren't doing anything special. They all kind of taste the same in some respects sometimes. But... I just don't think that Cascade is a good hop to use for these juices. It just kind of takes over all the other hops in the bill. Uh, but this one is a 6.2% ABV. Uh, the, uh, the IBUs is only about 40, so that's uh, right in the range of where you would expect a juicy or New England style IPA to be, and um, apparently the color on it is at about a three, so it's going to be very, very straw-like in color if I was to pour this into a glass. But it is fine. Um, I think it's uh, it's solid. It's a solid beer. Tastes all right, but I. I don't really identify it too much with a hazy style IPA. It's just a tastes more like a classic or, or um, like a pale ale or like a Midwestern style IPA with that cascade just kind of uh, running the roost. So with a quick glance at the website, it does look like they still have the Easy Jack, which is more of a session IPA. They still got the Union Jack with some new packaging on the cans. Um, the Nitro Merlin is still there, and um, uh, the double, like, they still have their Peeble Pills, they still have their Double Barrel Ale, so uh, that's interesting. And I forgot the Luponic Distortion. Luponic Distortion was a very solid IPA, as I recall from when I had it, too, so um, it's nice to see they're kind of still sticking to what's their strong suit was and what really kind of worked for them and I don't okay there's the 805 yeah there's there's still the 805 being pushed on here pretty heavily as well but it seems like they're still sticking to what works for them which it makes a lot of sense I think that's smart to um, they're kind of updating their packaging and maybe their marketing a little bit differently but they're still sticking to the beers that um, have worked for them in the past so I think that's always a good way to go about it and apparently they're doing pretty good uh, recently in the news um, them and New Belgium are really the only two breweries I believe in like the top top 15 or so something like that uh, craft breweries that actually um, 
had kind of increased something about their sales. They were doing, they were like the two breweries that kind of really hit it off in the past couple of months. So, um, that's me kind of forgetting what exactly what the piece said and me not being too lazy to look it up, but, um, New Belgium and Firestone Walker were singled out to be kind of the guys that had some growth in the past couple of months. Um, so it's working for them. But speaking of going back to uh, brewery roots, I also grabbed a can of uh, a stove pipe, another 19.2 ounce. Uh, Lagunitas packages the little something something in a 19.2 ounce can. And I hadn't had a little something something in a while, so I had to grab one of those. And that was pretty good. It was pretty, it was uh, very close to what I remember. I think uh, there's just a little bit uh, more alcohol on the finish that kind of hits me a little bit different. I'm glad to say that I th I think whatever whatever I had going on there were like the uh, alcohol flavor or the astringency coming through at the uh, end of like a strong ripe PA. I think that's going away a little bit. I think my palate's readjusting. I don't know what was going on there. I don't know if it had something to do with drinking all those New England styles and stuff like that I talked about in previous episodes, but it's kind of readjusted and kind of fixed itself a little bit. I noticed a little bit more of an alcohol taste on a little something something. It is, I believe, close to a 7% or 7.1%? No, 75 So it is kind of up there a little bit. Um... But I mean, well, well, in the in the, in the era of New England styles and hazies, 7.5 seems a little bit high. But back in the day, that was just kind of standard for an IPA. But well, with the, when they moved to cans and they kind of started marketing a little bit differently, a little something something really wasn't even called an IPA before. It was more of like a hoppy. Wasn't really a hoppy wheat beer because that wasn't, they didn't describe it that way, but it was kind of a hoppy ale that was made with wheat. Uh, still the same formula, just marketing it a little bit different. But as soon as I cracked that can open in classic Lagunitas fashion, that hop nose, uh, man, you, you know, you could, you could taste all the juices and hazies in the world, talk about dry hopping and double dry hopping, but still. Uh, Lagunitas, they are like the dry hopping OGs in my book. There's still something about the way, whatever they're doing and the way they're doing it. It just, it's, it's on another level, man. It's to, to do a meme or, or, or uh, a new internet saying to death. It just, it hits different. It slaps, man. It is, oh, it's just so good. And so as soon as I cracked that can open. I got a whiff of those hops, and I'm like, yep, this is the Lagunitas beer. It's just, just, I don't know what they do, but it's different, man. Same thing with, like, with the Supercluster when I was talking about that in a previ previous episode, cracking that can open. Uh, it's just so good, so good. So I really enjoyed revisiting the little something-something. But uh, let's talk about new visits to new places. I actually visited two new breweries in uh, recent past couple of weeks. I had talked about the Carl Kolsch that I had had from 
uh, St. Elmo's, but and I finally found St. Elmo's, which is not too far from where I am living, so that is a plus. And um, I don't believe I had a Kolsch when I went there, but the one standout that I did have from them was a coffee cream ale. And it was very tasty. I love, uh, they were using a local coffee roaster out of Austin. Um, so that was, um, the, the coffee flavor was amazing, very strong. I always like that. And the ABV was a little bit higher for a, um, for a, a cream ale. A cream ale, you usually find something more closer to like, almost like a lager or like, uh, Pilsner or something like that. Usually, they usually I I, see, I look for something like that in a, like a five range. But this was six point two, so uh, that was nice. A little bit more bite. Uh, like I said, a lot of coffee flavor. So um, picture this kind of like it's kind of like drinking a lager or a Pilsner. Very similar in color, uh, light color, uh, thin body. So uh, very easy drinking. But you get that big coffee punch there on top of it and a little bit more maltiness and you just have yourself a winner and it was definitely that on the hot day i was sitting out on their deck and i was enjoying that guy they did not have it on draft it was only on cans um but it was nice it actually was a 16 ounce can it uh, very much could have been a 12 ouncer i would have been fine with that too but it was a pint can so that was no problem and uh it was tasting delicious. The can had some cool artwork on it. It was not dated, but considering I was drinking at the source, I would hope that the beer was fresh. I know it was in their fridge, so it was kept on ice uh, probably since close to when it was canned, so I think we were good to go. Uh, it didn't taste like the coffee had fallen off at all, so I feel like we were uh, was relatively fresh and good to go. They also had a West Coast, or a, I'm sorry, they were called, they called it a tropical IPA. It was uh, called Yolanda, and that was okay. I wasn't blown away by it. I also tr uh, tried what uh, I believe is their flagship kind of a West, more West Coast style IPA. It's called Slater, I believe, and that was that was all right too. Very solid. Um, I tried and i tried something a little bit lighter too i think it was a lot i i had uh the bartender i went with one of two options that the bartender recommended or maybe no no maybe uh i think i'm off on that i think i couldn't decide between a hazy pale ale or like a hazy ipa and i picked between one of the two I ended up getting a sample of one right or, or actually I, no i believe i i ordered half pours of each um, but I guess this just, the, the, the fact that I'm having trouble recalling what was what exactly just kind of speaks to the fact that it was, it was all pretty okay. I wasn't blown away by anything. Uh, I feel like okay may sound a little negative in this context and I wouldn't even go that far. It was, they were, they were fine. Um, I think the quality is solid. Um, uh, the space was cool because they're, they're, their uh, operation seems relatively small, just the way they're set up, but it's very close to the tap room counter. It's very open, so you can kind of just look at them working 
um, while you're ordering. Of course, I don't like to hang out too much indoors these days still just because. So I like to go out and sit on an outdoor patio or deck uh, with some fresh open air. But it is cool that their production, the brewery is right there and you can kind of watch them working and I saw their canning line humming away, just feet away from where I could order a beer. So that was really cool. And um, they seem to be making a quality product for sure. I'm excited to kind of go back, revisit, and see once they switch things up and get some new beers in the mix and see how often they rotate stuff out. Um, but I, I just thought it was all, it was all okay. It was, it was, which is fine. That's a very uh, quality product. But uh, I didn't have anything that really knocked my socks off. I thought it was all just pretty, pretty, um, slightly above middle of the road. You know, it was it was a good B effort, uh, solid B. So, um, but I'm look, looking forward to going back and trying it again. But perhaps this was really because. Before that, I had gone a couple of times to uh, Nomadic Brewing, and this, I, uh, I I actually was trying, doing some research and trying to find uh, another place to go to, and I was looking it up on Google Maps when this place popped up on my radar. And I'm sorry, this is, it's uh, not Nomadic Brewing, but it's really called Nomadic Beer Works. So this place popped up on the Google Maps, kind of out of the blue. I really wasn't too familiar with the name. I had probably read about it or heard it in passing at some point in the past. But uh, um, at the moment, it just kind of had popped up on uh, Google Maps. And they happened to be open on a Monday, which is one of my days off. And uh, just happens to be a day where a lot of other breweries are closed. So I was able to um, hop over to Nomadic Beer Works because they were also pretty darn close. And I got to try some of their beers. And um, I was really, really impressed by what I had from them. Uh, I went in there about a Monday midday. So of course it was not busy at all. I got to talk to the two owners, uh, one of which is the head brewer, so that was pretty cool. And um, one of the most popular New England style or juicy IPAs that you can get in the Austin area is a beer called Electric Jellyfish. And I think I've talked about it in past episodes. It's it's fine it's 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 a solid beer tastes all right but i just i'm always asking myself for these people that are kind of blown away and say it's so wonderful i'm kind of like can you explain why because i just don't see it uh it's a solid beer it's tasty it's it's fine but i just don't see where they're quite as blown away or they're when they're 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 far more blown away or than i am but anyhow, there was a juicy IPA at Nomadic Beer Works that I felt uh, knocked electric jellyfish. Um, it, it, uh, it wiped to the floor with electric jellyfish. Uh, it's called Peak Season, and um, I would say 
two, uh, the main two reasons why is because of Simcoe and Galaxy Hops. Uh, both of these hops are featured in the beer, and uh, like I've 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 sung the praises of these two hops in past episodes many times over. Um, Simcoe is amazing, and Galaxy is amazing as well. So if you let these guys shine in your juicy or uh, New England style IPA, your hazy IPAs, then you're going to have a pretty pretty darn tasty beer on your hands in my opinion and their aroma is going to be amazing as well and um, I kind of feel like those are two hops where uh, the aroma and the taste are kind of on the same par I think I might have mentioned this in the past but when you're talking about a hop like let's say like a mosaic hop I feel like the the array the way a mosaic hop can smell and the way it can affect the taste of the beer are kind of two different worlds. I feel like a mosaic hop offers a better aroma than it does taste. Uh, when it comes to like a hop like Simcoe and a hop like Galaxy, I think Galaxy's probably beats takes the top on that one. Like Galaxy tastes as great as it smells. Uh, Simcoe smells amazing and it tastes pretty good, but maybe the aroma is slightly better than the taste. But Galaxy hops, uh, they bring a taste that is uh, almost on par with how the uh, how they affect the aroma of a beer. So uh, having those two hops, I feel like uh, is a great one-two punch knockout combo for a hazy, a juicy IPA. Like I said, this is the peak season from Nomadic Beer Works, and I think that. It's, I think it's better than electric jellyfish. If you put it side by side in a blind taste test with electric jellyfish, I believe people would choose peak season over electric valley jellyfish nearly every time. Um, like I said, electric jellyfish is a solid beer. It has so much hype behind it. It's to, you know, it can be uh, anywhere from you know $17 to 20 or above for a four pack of 16 ounce cans, which is ridiculous. Uh, I remember, you know, paying like $20 for a four-pack of, like, uh, King Sue, which, interestingly enough, I also had again recently. Uh, Toppling Goliath has made its way into Austin in the last couple of months, so I had some King Sue on draft at uh, Brew and & Brew, and it was just as good as I remember. Uh, and so if I, I'm gonna have to look around and see if I can find some pseudo suit because even the regular pseudo suit is pretty darn wonderful for a pale ale. And um, it's nice to see that hitting the Austin market. Uh, it's always nice to have a little extra choice and maybe revisit a pseudo suit or king suit every now and then. But let's not stray too far from the topic at hand. Um, yeah, Nomadic, uh, everything I had from them turned out to be very, very good. Uh, they had a black lager that was uh, very tasty, very amazing. Um, they're red. They have a red ale that is really tasty and kind of just something a little bit different than I had seen before from a red ale. Uh, it's, uh, I, I actually been impressed with the red ales here in Austin. Um, uh, I've had three now from three different breweries, and they've all kind of been different and done their own thing. There's that 
um, kind of a super hoppy, more of a higher end ABV option from uh, AB uh, GB. And there was the kind of one that was a little bit darker, super more roasty, closer to like a stout from Holdout. And now we have this guy from Nomadic Beer Works, which kind of almost defies explanation. It's just a nice balance. I wouldn't say it was, uh, you know, more malty or it wasn't like roasty, but it's just uh, everything that they did with the profile and just kind of, kind of just so much so unexpected from what i would expect from a, a red ale so uh the red ale was really good the black lager was good uh their their pale ale was solid uh, like i said the peak season was amazing and they just released a porter now as well so it's still super hot weather we're in the midst of summer here in austin but i had been looking for a porter um and I'd, um, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a year round. It's not, they're not, they're not, uh, they're not distributing to stores. So you can't go into the store and pick up a package of it. But, um, if I do it semi-regularly, their Porter was really solid as well. And it just reminds me of, uh, so much about what I love about a Porter, uh, just the roastiness and a little bit more balance. And I think, I think, uh, I really don't know exactly what drives the difference entirely between a porter and a stout, but I think maybe it is partially has to do with, uh, is there a lower bitterness with a porter over a stout? Like I know with the, like a Russian Imperial stout, of course you have a high IBU. There's a lot of bitterness, a lot of hops, but is, does the hop, does the hop, uh, do hop bitterness really take a back seat? with a porter and is that why the malt taste kind of comes forward is that what it is i feel like that's kind of the case but it's just uh you always get that more roasty a little bit closer to coffee sometimes uh you get that plenty of times in a stout but i feel like it's a little more prevalent you get a little more flavors from the malt in a porter when you don't always get that in a stout and i think and that's really what i I like about a porter. So the porter was really tasty too. If you are in the Austin area and if you've not gone to Nomadic Beer Works yet, I would highly recommend a trip. They just opened in 2019, so they just got around to their two-year anniversary. So they're super new to the game, kind of like uh, Central District is as well. And plenty of other breweries that have just opened up in the past couple of years are, are super young. But for being as young as they are, they're doing pretty much everything right. And their beer is really, really good. So I highly recommend checking these guys out. And I think that's going to just about do it. I will leave you with one anecdote I don't believe I talked about this in a previous episode, but um, I did find one other porter on draft uh, randomly. It happened to be at the movie theater, and it was uh, from Holdout Brewing, which I talked about in previous episode, and it was a dry hopped porter. So that was an interesting uh, little um, foray into a different way of approaching a porter 
I would have liked to get it for Dia to warm up a little bit more to see how that dry hopping affected it, but um, I thought it was all right. It was in, it was an interesting take on a porter. I liked having all that hop on the nose, um, a little bit more uh, uh, tricking your taste buds a little bit when you get the hop. You get taste a little more hops on that porter. But like I said, it was you know pretty cold just being on draft. Couldn't get it to warm up too much, so I would like to see if gets warms up just a little bit more to see how that kind of might have affected it a little bit differently kind of a gimmick maybe more than anything else but it was interesting i had never seen a dry hopped porter before so uh i kind of kind of dug it and i thought that was a cool uh thing and it was especially nice just to see a porter on draft so um so yeah that was cool uh, and I was at my uh, at the movie theater, so I, I of course loved movies, and uh, so uh, they have a pretty solid uh, draft beer list of local breweries and stuff like that as well. So I look forward to keeping an eye out on that to see what else they might carry or unique stuff they might get in in kegs. And that's just going to about do it for me for this go-around. I thank you once again to everybody who decided to put this on whether it just be to uh, actually listen to me ramble or just so you can uh, fall asleep to it i appreciate you listening and uh, i will catch you again in the next episode thanks that will do it for this episode of the let's sip podcast i'm your host brandon e gaylor podcast theme music composed by brandon e gaylor special thanks to anchor.fm for hosting the podcast Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Let's Sip Podcast. Thank you very much for sipping with us, and we'll drink with you again next time. Bye-bye.